What's going on guys? It's Nick here, back with another video. We were gonna do a different style video today, but the data was slow coming in. It's actually still not in as of recording this. I had to get things started. And so same setup as normal. We're just gonna go over every single position. I'm not gonna touch always on like tight end and quarterback when we're talking about like the quarterback 20. Like it's really just not worth going over. Uh, but every position we should be going over. And we have zero teams on by this week so this is probably going to be i would say the longest video i've ever made that's not like a you know live stream something like that so sit back hit the like button and let's hop into things with the thursday games three of them obviously for thanksgiving first one up 12 30 eastern please know that there's an early game 12 30 eastern it's going to be bills at lions 54 point total i want to say that's tied with another game earlier this season for the highest total on the year but 54 points is insane bills nine and a half point road favorites meaning they're implied to score 31.75 which i do believe is the highest of any team this season that is an insane implied total for the bills uh, most people are in play when your team is projected to score close to 32 points. Uh, Josh Allen obviously has not played as well in recent weeks, but he's Josh Allen, play him, uh, Stephon Diggs, number one wide receiver play on the week. After those two, Gabe Davis is the same as always. He's a wide receiver too that comes with a massive weekly ceiling, but a very low floor, obviously in a spot like this against a defense we know they're going to play really well against in a good environment inside of a dome, his chances of hitting the ceiling are much higher than usual. And so if you're ever kind of iffy about playing him, well, the odds that he hits for his ceiling this week are better than most weeks. I think, you know, my model has him at like a close to 60% chance of scoring this week. Uh, that's really good for wide receiver too. I think you're playing him. And I'd consider starting Dawson Knox as well as a low-end tight end one, six and seven targets over the last two weeks. He has been used consistently in the red zone, not only this season, but like in his career, he's just someone they'll look at. Obviously, they feature, you know, Josh Allen on the ground, uh, Gabe Davis, Diggs, running backs kind of like before Knox, but they get there so often and like he still has a role in the red zone that, I mean, he's, he's just like a really good play. Um any tight end getting usage on a team that's projected to score 32 points is in play. Tricky part, I would say, is with the Bills running backs. I would say you're starting Singletary as a running back, too, just given that they're such heavy favorites against a team that can't stop the run. I would say James Cook is someone that people are going to look at because he played really well last week. Uh, has looked good, honestly, whenever they give him the ball this season. He's looked very explosive. Uh, he got a lot of run last week, but obviously, like, in the second half, they were, like, killing the clock for a while. Uh, he was playing well. There was no reason for them to not give him a lot of work. But I don't feel comfortable projecting him for more than, like, seven to eight touches in this spot. And on a week where there are no buys, that's not really someone you probably want to play at running back two. So maybe in, like, a 14 or a 16-team league, you can throw him at running back two in that second flex spot. I would say for the vast majority of you, again, no teams on by unless you've got multiple like significant injuries, you could probably find someone better than James Cook. Uh, and also his touchdown chances are like pretty low. Like even if he gets a lot of touches, the odds that they give him a carry inside the red zone is pretty low. The odds they throw him in that area, 
pretty low. And so he could still rack up yardage, but still like the ceiling's not really that much there. Um, for the other side of this game, obviously the game environment is good in the terms of like 54 point total, right? But because the Bills are so are so like heavy favorites, they're only projected to score under 21. So it's not like the Lions are projected to score into like the upper 20s this week. And so good game environment, more for the Bills, for the Lions, they're still playing Buffalo. It's still like a tough spot for them. Um, obviously, they also have just like kind of fewer playmakers overall and some of the ones they have are injured. So I think you're starting Amona St. Brown. I don't care what the matchup is. Just play him. And I think you're starting Jamal Williams as well. 12 touchdowns this season has at least 16 touches and three straight, even with Swift active. And if you think about Swift, I, again, think he's going to get more healthy every week. But there's just like no way in my eyes that he's going to get more work this week. Like it's a short week. They just played on Sunday. They're playing early on Thursday. It's the shortest turnaround you can possibly have have like in the NFL because they're not going to have someone play on Monday and on Thursday. So they're, they played Sunday. They're playing at noon Eastern on Thursday. It's such a short turnaround. They're just not going to increase his workload. And so that's why I feel confident saying Jamal's probably going to have around 15 to 20 touches. If they ever get close, it's probably going to be Jamal. They really just cave uh, DeAndre like the pity touchdown last week. And so I have to think Jamal's going to be running back too. And I'm thinking Swift when, once I finish the rankings again. I don't have the data yet, so I can't do the full projections yet. Um, but once I go in and like finalize all of that, he's probably going to rank outside the top 25 running backs. He'll be someone that I have to start in one of my 12-team leagues. So I understand if you know you basically just like have to play him. Um but if you maybe got lucky at running back, maybe you picked up like Ken Walker, uh, maybe Fournette's out and you can play Rashad White, like things like that, there are options where you'd bench Swift. Uh, I just, I understand it. If you can't just know that he's probably only going to have, you know, the same number of touches he's been in recently, which isn't that many, you know, it's like less than 10. Um, outside of that, I can't really see starting anyone in the Lions. Uh, Goff is not a good play this week. The tight ends have a brutal matchup and don't have any target share. Uh, and the secondary wide receivers, it's Buffalo. Like, we don't need to target any secondary options against them. Four o'clock game, 4.30 actually, is going to be Giants at Cowboys. 44.5 point total, Cowboys nine point home favorites. For the Giants, you're really only considering Saquon, uh, Daniel Jones, and Darius Slayton. Wandale had like an amazing game last week. He's been good when he's been healthy and featured, but then he tore his ACL. And so now he's done for the season. Yeah, and he was playing so well. He had like nine for 100 through three quarters. He was just going off, gets injured. And so Slayton is really the only wide receiver you'll be able to trust. But Dallas has an elite defense. And if they have no wide receiver talent behind him, it's going to be pretty easy for Dallas to apply pressure, to know that the Giants want to run the ball. And when they're eventually forced to pass it, because we know Dallas is going to get up, that they're going to try throwing it to Slayton and Saquon. And it's like, it's going to be pretty easy for them to have kind of single coverage on most players, bracket, Slayton. Like, it's just going to be easy for Dallas to take it away. And so it's just not an appealing spot for anyone that's not Saquon. Like, even Daniel Jones, he's been a great streaming option this season because of the rushing. And he could still have, you know, 16 to score. Like, really... Daniel Jones can get there on like one play. If he happens to scramble for like a 30-yard touchdown, there's nine points. He's probably fine. But he's not going to have any passing production. 
I don't feel that good about him on the ground. And so I, I play Saquon. I don't know if I touch anyone else on the Giants. And then for Dallas, um, I would start Pollard, Lamb, Dak, Schultz, all of them. Uh, I don't think Zeke is similar to me of uh, DeAndre Swift. Like on a short week, I can't imagine the really increasing Zeke's touches all that much. Like he didn't play all that much last week. He's probably going to have like really like two days to like actually recover because it's not like um, like they play on, on Sunday and then, you know, you're kind of healing up after that game on Monday. Then you've got Tuesday and Wednesday to kind of like recuperate there and you play on Thursday. Like how much better can he really be on Thursday? You can get a few more touches, but like, let's be honest, Pollard has been significantly better anyways. And so like, why would they give more touches to Zeke? And so again, play Pollard. I don't, see any matchup where you're really benching cd lamb i think dak is a good enough play just because like the defense has played so good he's had what 250 yards multiple touchdowns and three straight i believe um they have plenty of volume on offense even in games where they're not playing super fast because the defense just gives them the ball back now the one concern is that the giants technically have been playing very very slow and that's going to be their game plan going in so if the Giants can find a little bit of success, you know, just like playing slow, use Saquon, only throw when you need to, have Daniel Jones run the ball, like just kind of limit the total offensive plays for Dallas. Then we could see secondary options like, I mean, really Dak is almost a secondary option because like there are a lot of quarterbacks that we expect to be better than him. And also Schultz, that's when those might fall off if the plays aren't really there. Um, but I feel good enough about the Dallas defense to where I don't think that's going to happen. I think at some point, uh, the Giants are going to be forced to keep up with Dallas, and that's going to be very bad news for Giants because it'll lead to a lot of sacks. Uh, but I think it'll lead to enough plays to where, again, start Schultz, Stack, Lamb, Pollard, uh, bench pretty much everything, everyone else. I don't think there's like you know enough usage to go around behind them. Final nice game of game. It's going to be Patriots at Vikings, 42.5 point total. Vikings, three point home favorites. Um, total. Maybe a little higher, I don't know, maybe than like I expected. Um, Vikings being three-point favorites, probably not something that a lot of people are expecting to see. Um, but the Vikings, you know, as we've kind of said in recent weeks, are a bit of an overrated team. They've been pretty lucky playing a bunch of backup quarterbacks this season. Um, so they're just like fine. I don't know. I, I thought the total, honestly, was going to be below 40 because uh, the Patriots defense is great and their offense is like not and it's not like the vikings have a bad defense i don't really expect a ton of production from either side in this game uh but i guess i mean 42 and a half still not that high of total but again not a good game environment would be just something that i would throw out there uh so if you ever have like fringe options that's one thing you always want to consider when like doing start sit if you're deciding between two players one of them plays in a game with like a 50 point total one of them plays in a game like this where i think the total might be like end of this week below you know 41 lean towards the 50, right? Like you just want the better game environment. The Patriots, uh, Stevenson, Myers, probably the only two you're considering. Stevenson, I mean, the target share has been insane. At least five targets in five straight, at least six and four straight. Uh, touch counts of 23, 19, 23, 18, 21 over the last like five weeks. He's looked good. Uh, Damian Harris honestly looked, I don't want to say better, uh, but on his carries last week, Harris looked really good. Um, maybe they start to give him a little bit more work. Uh, but until that happens, like until we see it happen in a game, not even reports, you're not playing Damian Harris and you're just playing Stevenson. Like he's just getting too much of a workload, 
too many high value touches to where you cannot bench Ramondre Stevenson unless you happen to have like three other running back ones, in which case you'll win anyways. Um, behind him, Myers had you know two like mediocre games in a row, but it was against the Colts and the Jets, two very strong defenses, especially against the pass. He's the clear number one wide receiver for the Patriots. Should see you know seven eight targets could spike for double digits. As long as the game stays close, which I think the game's going to stay close. So I don't think Myers is a must start. Like I think a lot of you drafted Myers in a range where it is certainly possible that you've got three wide receivers that are better than him and you don't have to play him. But I would say that like if he's on the fringes for you this week, he's a good play, better in PPR, but like he's a very solid play because you know he's not going to go out there and get you a zero. And he does have some level of upside, especially again, if this game can stay close or if Minnesota can kind of like pull away a little bit, get up seven to 10 points, force the Patriots to throw it. They're not a defense I'm like terrified of. They're good, but I'm not terrified of them. And I think Myers, you know, can rack up, you know, eight for 89 for 90. If he adds a score there, I mean, that's just fantastic for the Vikings. And I guess just to reiterate, you like, you're not starting Mac Jones. You're not starting Taekwon Thornton, um, you know, Parker, the tight ends. I just, just the two that I mentioned there for the Vikings, brutal matchup Patriots, very strong defense. Um, doesn't matter what the matchup is though. Like start Dalvin Cook, start Justin Jefferson every week. Doesn't matter. Um, I think everyone else is a little bit of the fringes. I would say Hawkinson just because he's a tight end. He's seen nine, ten, and nine targets since joining the Vikings. Any tight end getting nine or ten targets a game should pretty much just be played unless you have someone else, which you probably don't. I mean, you drafted Hawkinson, what, like the fifth, sixth round. The odds that you also have another high-end tight end are very low, given that there was really no one that broke out late this season that would be better than Hawkinson. So you're probably just playing Hawkinson, and you're just limiting your expectation. Like, the Patriots are pretty strong overall defense. It's unlikely that Hawkinson goes off, but if you think about how the Patriots do play defense— they're obviously going to scheme away um, Jefferson, and then they're going to play strong against the ground game. And so they're going to basically say, beat us with Thielen and Hawkinson. And if Kirk doesn't force the ball to Jefferson and he just takes what's there with Thielen and Hawkinson, Hawkinson could have a good game. But with that being said, it's not like they're just going to leave Hawkinson open. And so good play, not a great play. Um, and then even kind of saying what I did about Thielen, He's still not a strong enough player. Like I think he'll have opportunities in single coverage, and he'll be the guy that should be looked at. But Patriots are strong enough defense. It's not a good enough game environment. No buys. Like I don't think you need to start Adam Thielen this week. Sunday games kick off at one. There's not going to be any you know Mexico, Germany, London games. We're all in the United States this week. One o'clock. Uh, it's going to be Texans at Dolphins for the first game. Uh, Probably not going to be a fun one to watch, especially if you were a Texans fan. Uh, but 45.5 point total, pretty average there. Dolphins 12.5 point home favorites. Gross. For the Texans, uh, it's probably just Damian Pierce. Um, Cooks and Nico are totally fine if you need them. Like if you're in a situation, a deeper format, where you're like, uh-oh, you know, I've got a bunch of injuries. I got to play one of them in like my second flex. I think that's fine. Um, it's just that like Miami is like a, a really strong defense. Like, they're a, a well-coached team. They have a good defense. Uh, they're coming off by. They're playing at home. 
they're a run funnel. So like when you attack Miami, you probably want to do it on the ground, not through the air. And so none of that bodes well for Nico or for Brandon Cooks. Uh, but again, if you need them, they're the only two that are getting any you know sort of like bankable volume. And so they could have an okay game. Probably coming in garbage time, to be honest. They're probably going to do nothing for most of the game. Maybe in the fourth quarter, they can rack up a few receptions and kind of get there for you there. Um, and I know Pierce had like an awful game this last week, but we talked about how, and we've talked about in recent weeks, how like the commanders are just not a good matchup for running backs. They're a pass funnel. Um, they're so, so strong against running backs. And when you have, he's a good running back. But when you have a bad offensive line too, it's like he didn't have a chance. I mean, if you're going up against that good run defense with a terrible offensive line, unless Damian Pierce was going to make like four defenders miss every play, like he just wasn't going to have that good of a game. Um, you pretty much had to play him because like the volume expectation is still so high. He's getting all of the touches for running backs, but it's not shocking that, you know, we couldn't find any running room. Um, but the Dolphins, I don't want to say are like an elite matchup because again, they're still a good defense and he's, you know, nearly a two touchdown road underdog that's a terrible spot for running back to be in but being a run funnel being at least a better matchup and i'm still getting like 100 percent of the running back carries and still getting some targets playing as running back two this week uh then for the dolphins just just start everyone it's not really that hard uh start to uh start waddle tyree kill i would start both moster and jeff wilson um i believe i haven't checked the new numbers this week but i'm pretty sure uh houston is still ranked first in opponent rush rate uh, the commanders we knew last week were going to run the ball plenty. Um, they didn't actually find that much success because they can't run block that much either. But when teams play the Texans, they run the ball. And so I know that that could be concerning being like, oh, then why would we start like Tua, let's say. Because Tua is going to be incredibly efficient. Like they're going to run the ball over and over and over again. They're going to force Houston try and sell out to stop the run because they're going to be good at it. Mostert and Wilson are like going to be efficient in this game. And so that's just going to set up beautiful play action plays to Waddle and Hill. I just, I can't imagine benching any of them. Like they all have such good ceilings. They're not all going to hit. I think that's the thing is like, it's certainly possible that like one or even two of them don't have that amazing of a game, but they're all set up so well. And we know at least two, maybe three of them are going to have really good games to where you basically just have to say, hopefully I start the one that has a good game. There's nothing to indicate it's one over the other. I would say that Jeff Wilson like has the best chance of like between the two running backs of like doing really well, but Mostert could pretty easily have like 15 carries for a hundred yards and a touchdown. And you'd be like, oh yeah, I probably should have started him coming off by against like the number one run funnel in the NFL. So I would just start all of them. Uh, but I guess up to you if you're a little bit scared there. Uh, next up, we've got the Broncos at the Panthers. This game has a laughable, like when it's below 40, it's pathetic. We're at 35 and a half points for the projected total of this game. Broncos two and a half point road favorites. This is not a game environment you want players in. In fantasy, touchdown expectations are incredibly low. And with that comes yardage. I mean, the total is low because they're not scoring. And they're not scoring because they're not getting close. Does that mean they're going to have yards? No. It's going to be a bunch of punts and there's not going to be many yards or touchdowns to go around. So you don't really want anyone. Um, the only players I consider at all are Sutton, DJ Moore, Latavius Murray, and Greg Dulcich. But even those four are like pretty tough to get behind. 
Sutton barely got there last week against the Raiders at 5 for 80. Even that's not that great, especially in like half PPR. Moore has, you know, less than 30 yards three straight weeks, and now he plays a top five defense. Latavius Murray, people are going to be excited about. He should operate as a feature back, but he had 21 touches last week, still only had 72 yards. It's not like we're attacking the Panthers' defense. I mean, they're definitely stronger than the Raiders were last week. Dulcich started hot, but he's got 41 yards over the last two weeks combined. And so it's like, you look at those four, and sure, if you need to, and I would say that my favorite is probably Sutton followed by Murray. And I don't think it's the end of the world in deeper format if you have to play Latavius Murray. I don't think even in a 12-team league, if you had to play Sutton, it's the end of the world. Just don't expect much from this game. And if it's even close, I'd start someone else if you have the option to. Falcons at Commanders. Up next, 42-point total Commanders. Three-point home favorites. For the Falcons, Pitts is out with a torn MCL. Probably not going to play again this season. Uh, so if you thought that the Falcons were going to were like run heavy before, I mean, just wait. Like they were run heavy having Pitts and London. And now they have no Pitts. So London's their only reliable receiving threat. They're going to run the ball whenever they can. The issue is they play the Commanders, who we talked about being a massive pass funnel you don't want to run the ball on the commanders the eagles decided to do that they're like oh no we don't care we're not going to pay attention to anything and they lost because of it now who knows what the falcons are going to do because they are very committed to not caring at all what the game plan should be and they just run the ball regardless but they're probably going to be very very inefficient in this spot especially because the commanders really need to respect the passing attack no. So we'll see. Um, the problem with this team is that like, so you, you remove pits and you're like, wow, that frees up literally like the last month, like 30% of targets, right? Are gone. And it's like, you throw a bunch of them on London and you probably make London a flex play. That's probably what he is this week. I would feel fine playing him in the flex. But beyond that, you've got these running backs splitting the workload, not getting many targets in a game with a low total against a team that just stops all running back production. So I think it's just London. And I don't think I'd start anyone else. And even London, if you didn't want to play him, I'd be fine with that. Uh, again, I think you can play him in the flex. For the Commanders, uh, definitely a better matchup against the Falcons. Falcons are pretty bad at defending everything. They are technically a pass funnel because they're so bad against the pass. But, you know, they're just bad overall. I don't think the Commanders need to, like, change up their game plan all that much. They can do whatever they want. Um, and basically what they want when Heineke's under center is to throw the ball to McLaurin. And kind of split the backfield between Gibson and Robinson, with Robinson only seeing carries, Gibson seeing on average fewer carries and all the targets for running backs. But last week, Gibson got more carries. We figured that would happen at some point because Robinson's been so bad. But I mean it's not like Gibson's been, you know, incredible, but Gibson's clearly been better than Robinson. And so if that continues, Robinson's gonna be a guy where like in standard you can play him, but I mean, what? He had 15 carries for 57 yards. No touchdowns, no targets, I don't even think, against the Texans. Like, you just can't trust Brian Robinson unless you're in a standard scoring format. Um, and then Gibson, I mean, if he's going to get, you know, three, four receptions, he's going to have pretty much the same chance of scoring as Robinson. If he's going to get potentially more carries than Robinson, I think he's running back two this week. And then McLaurin, um, high-end wide receiver two. Any week that Heineke is starting. To go back to Wentz, that is bad news for McLaurin. It is good news for Curtis Samuel. But as they start with Heineke, which they're going to keep doing for now, um, you play McLaurin and honestly probably just bench uh, Curtis Samuel. 
didn't have really any production last week. It was like two targets. Um, people going to ask about Logan Thomas. That was his first game or 45 receiving yards. Um, I, I just think like, I know it's a great spot for everyone, but I think I'll go back to it's a full week. There's no buys. And so if you're starting Logan Thomas, like what happened at tight end? Like who were you starting before that? I guess maybe you were starting Kyle Pitts and maybe now you have to go there. But even then, I mean, add Foster Moreau or someone like that. Like it's just not a fantastic play this week. McLaurin Gibson for the commanders. Bears at Jets. Up next, low 41 point total. Jets four and a half point home favorites. And take that in. They are four and a half point home favorites right now. That has to indicate to us, like, I don't know yet, but that has to indicate that us, like, the betting market is expecting Fields to not play. If Justin Fields is playing, the Jets are not four and a half point home favorites. I guess, you know, if we get news that he's playing, maybe head on over to, to DraftKings or something, bet that real quickly. Um, but you, you just have to think, like, even though technically Zach Wilson looks like he's going to get benched this week, which is positive news for the Jets that'll increase their expectation because he's been so bad. But even with that, like if if Fields is not going to play, that's why the total is is that low. That's why um, the spread is in favor of the Jets. Like if, if he's playing, it's it's not in favor of them. Overall, um, there's just not anyone you really want, or not many players you want in this game. Uh, the Jets have an elite defense. They are playing at home. Um, the Bears have a trash defense, and so you're like, ooh, use Jets players, but like who? Like who do you really want on the Jets once Brees Hall? got injured, their offense completely fell apart. Um, I would say Garrett Wilson would be intriguing, especially if Wilson can like not be the quarterback. I'm talking about Zach Wilson there. Um, but even then, I mean, it's like, how do you fully trust it? I would say that like, if you needed it, Garrett Wilson is fine. If you absolutely needed it, Michael Carter is fine. But even Carter, like I know the Bears are a run funnel. The Bears are a bad defense, but Carter is splitting the workload with Ty Johnson, with uh, James Robinson. They're not that good of a team. They're not going to score many points. It's like, I don't know, full week. Are you really starting any uh, Jets players besides maybe Garrett Wilson? Probably not. Uh, and then for the Bears, I think you're just playing Dave Montgomery. Again, tough spot, especially if Fields is now out there. Road underdog, backup quarterback, elite Jets defense. If, if you had other options and you wanted to bench them, I'd be totally fine with that. We'll see what ends up happening and I'll change the projections accordingly because honestly, I think the line is assuming that like Fields is a chance to play. Maybe if Fields is out, we just see the Jets go to like five, five and a half point favorites. The total drop maybe below 40 points and we just get a gross game overall. We're just trying to avoid everyone. But I would say for the Bears, Montgomery would be the one where it's like, you know, he's still got a, a really decent expectation for total touches. And so even if he's going to be inefficient, if they get close to the end zone, he'll be the one that scores. If they get him like 20 touches, maybe he can turn it into like 70 to score and that's still fine. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a gross game. You don't want much in this game. Next up, Bucks at Browns, 43-point total. Bucks, three-point road favorites. For the Bucks, or wait, yeah, oh wow, the Bucks are. How about that? I really thought that I made a mistake there, but the Bucks are uh, road favorites. That I don't know. That one feels incorrect to me. Anyways, Bucks. Um, Browns are run funnel, especially for touchdowns. Uh, the Browns allow a lot of touchdowns on the ground when you get close, and so 
we will see what the status is of Fournette. Um, obviously, if Fournette is out, Rashad White is set up to explode. He'll have receptions. He'll be good on the ground. He'll have a really good chance of scoring a touchdown. You are playing Rashad White no matter what if Fournette is out. If Fournette plays, we will see. Hopefully, we get a report later in the week that's like, hey, here's who's starting, or hey, here's what the touches are supposed to be. Uh, if we don't get that, it's a little bit tough. Um, so kind of watch the rankings there, kind of watch, uh, any reports that come out from beat reporters. Um, it's really difficult to know right now. My guess is that Fournette does play, um, which will put us in a tricky spot where they're both like flex viable. Cause I think they're going to pretty much split the workload. Um, but we'll see what happens there later in the week. And for everyone else, it's the same as always. Um, I think you're playing Brady. If you have them, uh, you're playing Evans, you're playing Godwin, um, Julio if you're in an 8 or a 10-team league, don't worry about Julio. If you're in a 12-team league, probably don't worry about him. But, you know, if he's healthy, he's going to be using this offense. They clearly want to get him the ball. He doesn't look awful. They're worse plays. I'll say that. They're worse plays than Julio Jones. If he's going to be out there getting a lot of snaps, a lot of usage, they're worse plays. I'll put it that way. Um, but again, 8, 10-team leagues, no. 12, maybe. 14, 16, not bad. That's all. That's all I'll put for the Browns. Uh, always start Chubb, obviously, and then Cooper's the same as always. Uh, boom bust wide receiver two. Don't be shocked if Mario Cooper ever has two points. But as we saw last week, you know, like what was 130 yards and two touchdowns. Like that is what Amari Cooper is capable of. I always lean towards starting those players because everyone has a floor of of zero points. Like literally every single player could go out there and post a dud. Like. Look at what Stephon Diggs did last week. If it wasn't for that one touchdown catch, like he basically had no production in the first half and they didn't need him that much in the second half. He got really lucky to get bailed out with the one touchdown. Everyone has a very, very low floor every week, but not everyone has Amari Cooper's ceiling or like Gabe Davis's ceiling where they can go out there and score hundred score 150 yards. How about have 150 yards and multiple scores? Uh, so I usually lean towards playing him. And then Peoples-Jones and Joku, I would say they're fringe options this week. Um, Peoples-Jones has at least 50 yards and four receptions or more in seven straight. That, I mean, that's like consistent production. The ceiling hasn't been there. He did score last week, which is great. Um, maybe, like, I, I really think that maybe it's just going to take Deshaun Watson to, like, fully unlock the ceiling. But he's been consistent. If you need to plug him in there to get you, like, 11, 12 points... I see absolutely no issue in doing that. Um, and then in Joko, I say fringe because like if he was fully healthy and playing, he's a start, but he played 37% of the snaps last week. If we get word that he's going to bump up to like 70%, I would say start him. Uh, if we don't get that news, then I can maybe only project him for like a 60% workload, in which case fringe, like he'll be on the edges this week. Ravens at Jaguars up next, 44 point total Ravens, four point road favorites. For the Ravens, uh, we will see if Gus is able to play this week. Uh, him returning just like nukes the value of Drake and Hill. And honestly, even at that point, Gus would probably be like a pretty low-end running back two and uh, what is a tougher matchup than most people think. Uh, he will return to like a three running back committee. Uh, pretty unlikely in Gus's first week back to give him like a ton of touches right away. And even in general, when he's fully healthy, he maxes out at like 15, 16 touches anyway. Um, you're praying for like one target from him. So not great. Um, 
and even in in the wide receivers, like Demarcus Robinson went off last week, um, but you know he had 120 career games so far. That was his first over six reception. So I would say if we're looking at a three running back committee, we're looking at wide receivers that have spiked at times, but we can't trust any of them. You might just be looking at this offense being like, start Mark Andrews, start Lamar Jackson, don't play anyone else. I don't want to get caught up uh, in them, um, but I guess Gus would be the first name that I would think about. Just understand that Gus is unbelievably touchdown reliant. It's it's the same thing we saw with Drake last week. Drake was in a great spot. He just didn't score. And so he's got like six fantasy points. Like That's just what Gus is going to do every week moving forward, especially when Dobbins returns. Uh, but, you know, he could score two touchdowns. And so it's really up to you. It's up to what you have at the running back position. For the Jaguars, um, only people I would play is Etienne and Christian Kirk. The Ravens have a very quality defense. And outside of those two, no one gets like, Enough bankable volume. I would say that Zay Jones gets volume, but it's so close to the line of scrimmage that like he needs to rack up seven, eight, nine receptions to be worth it in fantasy. He doesn't usually hit deep. And so I don't think in a full week you need to go there. Um, but like ETN's running back one every week, and Kirk has no fewer than seven targets of the last four weeks and his wide receiver nine on the season. So I think those two are definitely good plays. Outside of those guys, um, I talked about Zay Jones there. Trevor Lawrence is like a quarterback too. I'd say on a full week, you probably don't need to go there. And then Evan Ingram, tight end too, but it's the same thing. Like, I find it hard to believe you don't have a better option than Evan Ingram this week. Final one o'clock game. It's going to be Bengals at Titans, 42 and a half point total. Bengals, one and a half point road favorites. The Bengals definitely depends on Chase and Mixon. Um, I would imagine that Mixon misses this game, but we will see later in the week. Um, and we'll see with Chase. I think for both, we're not going to find out until probably like Saturday, maybe even on Sunday. If Mixon is out, you're going to get Pirine uh, like in a close to a featured spot. Uh, the problem is it'll be against the Titans, who are an elite run defense. They're a pass funnel. Um, I believe they're like the number one pass funnel in the NFL. Teams just don't run on them because it's impossible. And so he could still rack up receptions like we saw last week with those touchdowns. Uh, but Piran will still only be like a, a low end running back too, even if Mixon is out. And then for the rest of the offense, like, you know, you're starting Burrow, you're starting Higgins, no matter what, I don't care who's playing, who's not playing, start those two. And I would say if Chase is active, play him. Like maybe he'll be on a snap count, but honestly, even if he is, unless we get word, it's like, you know, 20, 30% of snaps. Like if he's playing, you got to think he's good to go. And so I would probably play him if he's active. If he is inactive, it boosts the upside of Tyler Boyd and Hayden Hurst, and they would become like fringe options this week. Um, but if Chase plays, I just wouldn't play either of those two. Then for the Titans, pretty easy. Uh, just Derrick Henry and Traylon Burks. Um, obviously, always start Derrick Henry. Traylon Burks, I would say is fine to use in the flex. Um, looked good last week, but you know that was his first good game of his career. Um, like I said, I think the breakout happens in the second half, um, but I don't think it's like some incredible spot to where you have to play him. Um, they're probably going to have to throw it, but like this team also just like refuses to do that. Uh, they probably think they can just ride Derrick Henry in this game, which they definitely like could do, and they can just ride basically their defense playing solid. Derrick Henry keep him close, and then Traylon Burks doesn't get that many targets. Um, good talent. If you have to play him, it's fine. Um, like I said with a lot of people, 
on a full week, I don't think you need to go there. Four o'clock games kick off with Chargers at the Cardinals, 47 and a half point total. Chargers, four point road favorites. For the Chargers, uh, Mike Williams returned last week, but then was almost immediately ruled out with an ankle injury. Obviously, the same one they aggravated. Um, I have to imagine he's out this week, but if he does play, I don't think we can really trust him, so I wouldn't play him. Uh, I would trust Keenan Allen, though. He said that he's not going to return. I know. So, Mike Williams said he was 200%. Obviously, that was a lie. Like, let's just be honest with ourselves. He had a high ankle sprain. He missed two games. Like, that's usually something you should miss four games for. He returned too early. That's on him. Uh, Keenan Allen said he will not be returning unless he's 100%. And I believe him when he says that. Uh, and he looked great. Looked like he was 100%. I wouldn't be concerned with him. Anyone recovering from a hamstring injury can hurt it again. Like, in two weeks, we could see Keenan Allen re-injure the hamstring. But I feel better about him if he were to play than Mike Williams. Um, I would think he would be on a full snap share, and I'd play him as a wide receiver too. And then obviously uh, play Austin Eckler. And then Herbert. Herbert is a great quarterback. He had a few down games in fantasy because like everyone was injured. But if he has Keenan Allen back, I'm not concerned. I would play Justin Herbert. And then um, beyond that, Palmer would be good if we knew Mike Williams was out. He went off last week in a really good spot for like opposing wide receiver ones. That made sense. Um, we'll just kind of have to play like the wait and see game there. Uh, the Cardinals are not a good matchup for opposing wide receiver ones on average. I know the 49ers like steamrolled them two nights ago, uh, but it's they're typically not a good matchup. Um, Palmer, I, I would just say Palmer is only a consideration for me if Mike Williams is out. Like, I just kind of want to reiterate that. If Mike Williams plays, there's still a chance he doesn't get hurt again. And so you wouldn't want to play Palmer. Uh, but if he's out, yeah, I mean, he, he's a, a quality play as like a upside flex piece, we'll say. Then for the Cardinals, always start DeAndre Hopkins. And then James Conner's in a, a really good spot as a pretty obvious play at running back two. Uh, you just, you want to play running backs against the Chargers. He's getting all the snaps. He's getting targets, goal line usage. Just play James Conner. Uh, behind those two, we will see if Marquise Brown is able to play. I think he will, which helps because Rondell Moore is now hurt. They can just never get their uh, entire wide receiver core healthy. My interest in Brown does depend on how much we expect him to play. If he's good to go, full snap share, I think he's an upside wide receiver too. But if there's reports that he's going to be limited, I don't want to play anyone on a full week that's going to have like a limited snap share. So make sure we watch the reports there, see what his usage is. Uh, and then beyond that, you're just looking at Kyler Murray. If he plays and if he does play, I would start him. Raiders at Seahawks. Up next, 47.5 point total. Seahawks, 3.5 point home favorites. For the Raiders, always start Adams and Jacobs. And then Foster Moreau is interesting this week. Uh, he was awful last week, but it was in a brutal matchup. Now he has an incredible matchup for tight ends. Uh, and again, despite that poor game, like I, he played 100% of the snaps. Like he was out there every single play against the Broncos. It's just the Broncos, right? Seahawks, not good at defending tight ends. I think he's a low-end tight end one this week. Great streaming option. Number one streaming option if he's there. Then for the Seahawks, always start Ken Walker. And I think Metcalf and Lockett are both strong plays this week, both at wide receiver two. Both should be fully healthy. Fully recovered now coming off the bye. Uh, the Raiders do not have a strong defense. I think one of them is dropping a nuke. No clue which one it's going to be. Honestly, my lean is Lockett because uh, the Raiders are unbelievably terrible at guarding slot wide receivers. And you will see Lockett go into the slot. 
you'll see Metcalf do it from time to time too. But I think this feels like a game where Lockett kind of goes nuclear. But since we don't really know which one, and we think one of them is going to, just start both and hope that you start the one that does. Um, and then Geno's a great play. I mean, as per J.J. Zacharyson, like Russell Wilson was the only quarterback to not throw a touchdown against the Raiders this season. How fitting. Uh, and only Wilson and Dalton have played against the Raiders and not been a top 12 quarterback. Like, Geno's probably going to be top 12 quarterback this week. Start him. Next up, we've got Saints at 49ers, 43-point total, 9.5-point home favorites for the 49ers. The Saints always start Kamara, always start Chris Olave. Beyond that, it's really only Taysom Hill and Juwan Johnson. Um, I'm definitely not starting Andy Dalton in this matchup. Uh, 49ers, pretty strong defense. Um, I don't trust Andy Dalton. Um, even, I would say that like Hill and Johnson are fine just because tight end is so bad. Um, and Juwan actually has five touchdowns the last five weeks, three in a row, tight end three overall since week six. But, um, those are all touchdown related. Like he has zero games with more than five receptions, zero games with more than 50 receiving yards, brutal matchup. Like 49ers don't allow any production of tight ends. I think Juwan Jobson's like a trap play this week. I think a lot of people are going to talk him up. I don't think he's a good play. And then it's like, you could go to Taysom Hill. He had a lot of usage last week, uh, set the season high in snap share. But like, what, he had seven yards total in the previous two weeks? Like, you just, you can't trust Taysom Hill. So really just Kamara and Olave, the Saints. And I, I don't trust Landry either. Then for the 49ers, I mean, everyone's in play. Let's be honest. Like, this offense is going to be elite for the rest of the season. If you've got players in this game for this, like, team, obviously, uh, play them. McCaffrey, Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, play them every week. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, like, if you have to, you have to stream him. Not a bad option. Um, I would say he's still in the fringes, but like he's the quarterback 10 since the McCaffrey trade. Uh, we've seen the ceiling in recent weeks. He's just got so many playmakers around him that he doesn't need to do all that much. They're not asking him to do anything. Like Just be like, hey, we're going to hit Debo on this slant route. We're going to hit Kittle on this screen, McCaffrey on this wheel route. Just hit them, and they're going to do everything after the catch. That's what's been happening, and he's been good in fantasy. I think you can start him. Final 4 o'clock game is going to be a tough one to watch if you are a Rams fan. Uh, it's going to be Rams at Chiefs, 44-point total. Chiefs, 14.5-point home favorites. For the Rams, it uh, definitely depends on if Stafford is able to play. If not, just avoid this team completely. Like We love to attack uh, Kansas City with wide receiver ones, but... I mean, who is the wide receiver one for the Rams? We don't even 100% know that. Maybe it's Allen Robinson, but like if Stafford isn't out there, they are going to get absolutely steamrolled. Even if Stafford's out there, like the offensive line is going to fall apart. It's just a completely terrible spot. I really would just avoid all Rams players this week. And then for Kansas City, um, sort of depends on injuries. We'll see if Juju can play, if Tony can play. Uh, pretty brutal seeing Tony get injured right away last week in what was a phenomenal spot. But we just have to accept that with him at this point. I mean, he's electric when he's on the field, but can he stay on the field? That's just like the biggest question with him. The final ranking here is just going to depend on who's active, who's out there. I'll go back to what I said last week. Like Mahomes is going to throw for over 300 yards or at least around 300 yards, no matter who his wide receivers are. And while Kelsey's going to be like, you know, a huge portion of that, Kelsey's not going for 200, right? He's not going to have all these yards. And so even if Kelsey has, you know, over 100 receiving yards, that's still a lot of production available to the wide receivers. And so whoever is starting, we're going to have interest in. We just have to figure out who that is. Then for the running backs, um, 
Clyde, not done for the year, but he's got the high ankle sprain. He's done for like basically the fantasy season. Um, Pacheco is going to be just locked in early down running back rest of season. Like I said last week, not going to be seeing any targets, but he's a two touchdown home favorite. I mean, Pacheco is an easy running back to this week. And then McKinnon, um, probably going to rank in like the low twenties, maybe in the thirties for running backs. He's not going to get much early down usage. We like him more in competitive games. This is not going to be a competitive game. Like we want Kansas city to be like, you know, playing aggressive, playing fast and like force them to throw dump offs to McKinnon. This is more of a Pacheco game. Like Pacheco is probably going off this week. Sunday night game is going to be Packers at Eagles, 46 and a half point total Eagles, seven point home favorites. For the Packers, this is obviously a bad spot. Eagles have a really good defense. Um, teams have found success running the ball against the Eagles recently, though. Um, Eagles tried to stop that by signing Sue, but, like, I mean, they almost lost to the Colts, who are significantly worse than them. Um, I would imagine that the Packers try and use Jones, try and use Dylan a lot this week, um, kind of mix in end around screen passes, deep shots to uh, Christian Watson and Alan Lazard just to like keep Philly honest, but I think they're going to try and focus on the ground game. Um, I would say that like you're playing Aaron Jones. Watson is a very high upside play in the flex. Probably would feel good about playing him in the flex. Lazard, lower end flex play. Wouldn't feel fantastic about it. Dylan, pretty thin play overall. Uh, even if they're going to lean on him, like he could have 10 carries for 40 yards and that's four points. Like he's just not someone I trust this season. Um, and like the Eagles are still not a defense we're looking to attack. And the Packers have still struggled pretty mightily on offense this year. So start Watson, start Aaron Jones. You might be able to leave everyone else on the bench this week. Then for the Eagles, uh, Miles Sanders is unfortunately just a yardage and touchdown back right now. Uh, he's only seen three targets since week five. That's disgusting. Um, the floor is unbelievably low. He's got five full PPR points in each of the last two weeks. He's got to score. And it stinks because he's a good pass catcher, but they've just like reduced his role to just an early down grinder, which is just really unfortunate. Luckily for him, Packers, pretty big run funnel. Uh, they faced the third highest opponent run percentage in the league this season. I think that if you've got Sanders and you don't have a great other option, I am comfortable playing him as a running back too because like in this spot, we thought this before, I mean, that apparently the Eagles don't care about game planning all that much, but in this spot, you have to think they're going to lean pretty run heavy and kind of just use the passing game to like play off of the ground game. Like you'd think that's what they do. Uh, and so I think Sanders is a good play, but you know, they could just pull a fast one on us and throw against teams. They should run on and run against teams. They should throw on as for the wide receivers. I think you always have to play AJ Brown as like a low end one and Smith as a low end two. Brown has two down games in a row, but I just, I couldn't see benching him. He's too good a talent to be benched. And then Smith has two solid games in a row. He's now up to wide receiver 26 in the season. Um, he's a really good talent. Obviously, he's much more up and down, but it's wide receiver. Everyone's up and down. I think he's a solid wide receiver too. Final game of the week. Monday Night Football, Steelers at Colts. Low, 39.5 point total. Colts, three-point home favorites. For the Steelers, Jalen Warren left really early last week with a hamstring injury that led to Harris having his best game of the season. Colts are an awful matchup and Najee's been trashed this season but if Warren's gonna miss this game which my guess would be that he will but I suppose we'll see later in the in the week I mean Harris is gonna grade out as a running back too because if like if he's playing you know 95% of the snaps even if he's super inefficient touchdown chances are high 
receptions should be there. Like you probably just have to play him. Um, but if, if Warren's back, yikes, it's not a good ground game that we want to attack. Beyond that, uh, Pickens, Deontay, Fryermuth, all going to get targets, um, all going to be viable every week. Really tough matchup though. So Pickens and Deontay are like lower end flex plays with honestly the lean towards Pickens. Uh, and then Pat, honestly, mid-range tight end one still because even though it's a terrible matchup, he's going to get targets and he's a tight end. Like it really just comes down to that. Like he's going to get red zone usage. He's going to get plenty of targets. It's not a good matchup, but he's a tight end getting a workload. So he's a mid-range tight end one. Then finally, for the Colts, always start Jonathan Taylor. Pittman will be interesting this week as a wide receiver too. Um, he absolutely has breakout potential in this spot. And the volume has been there recently. He just hasn't hit yet. I think this might be the week. No wide receiver on this offense is ever a lock to go off. But I feel good about Michael Pittman Jr. this week to where I'd play him as a wide receiver too. Uh, the Steelers are not good at defending wide receivers. They're going to be better as their pass rush gets like healthy, obviously, now. Uh, but like Matt Ryan is still going to throw the ball plenty to Pittman. He's a great wide receiver talent. He's capable of like 8 for 122, and I think he hits this week. Then Campbell, he can be played uh, as maybe like a low-end flex play. Um, he's gotten the targets under Matt Ryan, and we know historically the Steelers are just not good at defending slot wide receivers. They just throw linebackers on them like way too much, and so we could definitely see Paris Campbell have like a pretty solid game here. Uh, but, you know, 8, 10, 12 team leagues, full week. You probably don't need to go there. Um, 14, 16 team leagues. Like I'm starting him in my 16 team league, but I would say for most of you, you probably don't have to. So that is a breakdown of every single game this week. Remember, I have to record this earlier than most weeks. And so there will be news that impacts things. I will adjust the rankings accordingly and the projections. And so if you need you know, an updated take, just refer to those this week. So I'll be back Saturday. It's one of my favorite plays this week. Then my friends, isn't this one? Hope you all enjoy if you did. How about hitting the like button? How about subscribing to the channel if you're new here? Thanks for watching.